everyone, and welcome back to the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Tom. And I'm Rob. Joining us again today from Stinker Madness is Justin. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. Minute 27 starts with Danny saying it's only the first day, and it ends with Herr Kuhn saying the prisoner Bartlett is to be kept under the strictest confinement, and it cuts off. So we get the end of our little powwow conversation amongst the prisoners from yesterday, and we see them stop in awe as we get these two cars pulling up. And we don't really know who's in the car yet, but we just see this reaction amongst the prisoners going, uh-oh, something big is about to go on. And telling each other to say, shush, you know, let's not make a big deal. They might not know who it is. There's two SS cars and seven guards. I have a pretty good idea they know what's going on, who that is. What do you guys think? Um, it's actually a very good question whether they really know or they don't. I mean, later on, we'll, we'll obviously, they'll, they'll discuss that of the suspicions that they have. But they don't really mention, they don't have any hard evidence. So you'd think that, that even if someone has as much suspicions as they do, they, they might not have uh, as many guards. You never know. I don't, I don't know, the, you know how the Gestapo, you know, what their rules of engagement were, you know, when dealing with prisoners and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll, I'll just have to assume that either it was a precautionary measure or maybe, you know, when you have a Prison and Kuhn walking around, they, they have seven, seven guards with them all the time. That's possible, too. Well, one thing that they definitely know is they all came in on trucks. This is not a person coming in on a truck, so they know it's not some schmo. They know it has to be somebody of some significance, A, by the vehicles themselves, and then B, by the guards. They don't know if it's a prisoner, I don't think, or if it's maybe, you know, knowing what they know about uh, uh, the, the Reich, maybe they're bringing in a heavier commandant, somebody who's got a more iron fist. So maybe there's a little level of fear inside these guys as well of, you know, hey, is this person actually going to make our living situation even worse? Or is this maybe one of our friends? Uh, right. And- OK, I, I can agree with that. That just as they're looking at the, the, the cars coming in the distance, you know, once they come into view, they quickly realize what's going on because, right. you know, because everyone knows who Richard Attenborough is, you know, <laughs> right. especially in the 60s. You know, he was in movies from from you know a decade or two beforehand. So, you know, any any of the anyone who sees Richard Attenborough, you know, moving around, so oh, there's Richard Attenborough. <laughs> Yay! It's not it's not some it's not uh, Eichmann coming to start taking or uh, what uh, Mangle to start coming and taking uh, fingers and toes and <laughs> experimenting on us. Um, I also thought that it was interesting that this was shot. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but the camera is specifically placed directly behind the fence as these cars are coming in and, and Bartlett comes out. Uh, uh, so we are essentially at the point of view of uh, the men in the yard as well. I thought that was an, a, a good cinematography decision right there. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, you can definitely see that, that that a lot of the movie does that a lot. They they give us the perspective of either the guards or the prisoners or someone, and you get to see through something else where where they're looking. So yeah, it, it's definitely great that you pointed that out. Yeah, no, that's absolutely with. I mean, in the cinematography in this 
entire thing is fantastic. And so something I didn't think about really until today when I'm prepping for this minute is the Indian, I'm now I'm blanking on his name, the Nazi from the first Indiana Jones movie, the man with tall, skinny guy. Now I'm, the one that gets his face smushed yes. in. Yes. Yes. He, to me, strikes me as this creasing officer, you know, a continuation of that character. We watch Preason come in. He does. He sets his hat on the Commandant's desk, very similar style hat, and then he just sits there. You know, he does the stuff with the briefcase, but it's all very methodical very deliberate and he just sits down and I'm here. I'm the one actually in charge in this room, but I don't need to make it think about it. No, but, but I think part of the thing is, is that, that you have uh, Kuhn and, and Prison are both somewhat of equal stature there because they're, 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 they're they, they pass off between one another, what they're saying and what they're talking about. So I, I you're you were referring to I think Dietrich, yeah, right? Dietrich, there from, we go. From Dietrich from uh, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I actually think that they're they're closer to Tot. You know, the Tot's the guy who, who got his uh, hand uh, burnt by the by the medallion. Yes, that that's who I was thinking of. Uh, right. I we just watched that two days ago with my with my seven year old. Uh, we had to warn him about what happens to uh, that character. <laughs> And that it was fake. Um, but uh, I immediately, as soon as um, he walks into this room with the commandant, I was like, whoa, that is eerily similar character style. You know, he's more of the, we have ways of making you speak, uh, member of the Gestapo, rather than like, shoot him! Uh, he's very uh, reserved. And to me, that is almost more frightening than uh, uh, his counterpart. It's It's not a good cop, bad cop. It's bad cop, bad cop, but one is um, I'm going to make you do what I want you to without me getting my hands dirty. Right. That's true. I mean, first of all, Kuhn is the one who actually puts his hat on the desk, and then he sits on the chair, and then Priest is the one who, who opens the briefcase and, uh, you know, goes around the desk, which is also an interesting point. They're basically, you know, they're, they're, they're showing here we're the ones in charge, not you. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk in, when you walk into someone's office – you know, it doesn't matter who it is. When you're walking into an office, you're going to sit down in front of the person. You know, and, I mean, obviously, unless you're the boss or whatever it is. But but uh, if you're if you're coming to someone else's office, you're going to sit down in the chair. You're not going to walk behind the the, the desk and hand him things. You're going to hand things over the desk. And the the way that they do it is very interesting. So in in the original script, it's only it says that there's there's two uh, Gestapo's that come in, but all of the talking is done by the same one. By Kuhn. Kuhn is, is the only one mentioned in the script. Pryson's not even mentioned in the script. And the, the dialogue that Pryson has is is marked down for Kuhn. So I guess at some point they figured, okay, maybe we should split up the the teamwork here. You know, they're, 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 this is a tag team uh, decision, the way that they do it. So I thought that, that was interesting. Well, and I think we get an interesting contrast. And I don't know when... You know, these stereotypes came into being, and if they were there in the 60s, I mean, Kuhn is the one with the black trench coat. 
which you start thinking about Gestapo and SS stereotypes. They're the ones in the black trench coat. Where Preston's just in a raincoat. He's just, you know, yes, it's still kind of a trench coat, but it's that not that black leather stereotypical one. And I wonder if that if it was intentional or not, but just without knowing when that stereotype came into effect, watching it now, I see it more. I I would think that it is actually done just to give you a contrast between the two characters. You know, I don't think that that it was deliberately done to show a difference in rank or anything like that. It's just to make it easier for the, for the viewer to see mm-hmm. that here we're talking about two different people. I mean, that's what I think. What's also interesting is they walk into the room, and again, as I mentioned before, they show that they are in control here. You know, they're the ones that are coming in with the prisoner. We we don't know who the prisoner is. You know, we see someone also in a similar raincoat to what Bryson has. So maybe, you know, the Gestapo decided to to lend out a, a raincoat to Bartlett. Uh, I'm, I'm sure someone someone who's more familiar with, with wardrobe could actually tell me the difference between the two raincoats. I can't. For me, a raincoat is a raincoat. Just a question of the color. Actually, someone could probably tell you also that the the color is slightly different between the two of them, even though it doesn't match. You know, Roger's uh, hat, which is blue. You know, blue hat and beigeish raincoat uh, probably don't go together, but maybe they do. I'm, I'm not a fashion expert, so I couldn't tell you about that. Postulize here and say that maybe because essentially what the the Gestapo's doing here is acting as a courier service for a prisoner, that maybe they feel that that's below them, beneath them. Uh, they should be out hunting, uh, you know, dissenters uh, and murdering families. That's that's their mo. Um, but instead, they're they're playing delivery service for this this American prisoner to the Luftwaffe. Uh, and so somewhere along the way, they're like, okay, we don't want our pals to see that we're humiliated. You know, that we're being humiliated by this delivery task. Let's dress him up like us. Maybe they'll think he's somebody important. And then when we get back into the, you know, the Nazi coffee break room, uh, they'll be like, Oh, who was that cool guy that you were, uh, transporting around? Uh, can't tell you, uh, uh, confidential, uh, special, you know, top secret missions. So bye. Right. No, I, I also love the fact that, I mean, the last time we were in the, the in Von Luger's office when we were talking about with Ramsey coming in, so the, the desk was cluttered with, with all these different files. Here you come in and there's just one piece of paper on the desk. And then when they, they take out the folder, you know, with the file on, on Big X or on Roger, so it, it changes the, the desk. But, but it's just interesting to see the contrast there also because beforehand, you know, you come in and you, you, you just – you know, some, sometimes people clutter their desks to make to make it look like they're busier than they really are. You know, and he was also surprised. He wasn't expecting someone to come in because when they walk in, you see there's somewhat surprise on his face. Like, who are you to come in here and bother me? You know, he's he's reading he's reading a, a paper. You know, he's got like a, some sort of paper in front of him. You know, maybe he's reading a, a letter that he just wrote to his wife. Who knows? You know, it could be anything. I also like the way that uh, the Gestapo, you know, when, when Pricing has to give him the keys to the handcuffs, he just drops them on the desk. He doesn't even like hand, There's no courtesy here, none whatsoever. It's like, as as you mentioned earlier, uh, Justin, you know, they, they don't want to be doing this. This is not their job to, to be this courier service. You want the keys? Here, take them. And the, the, the way they speak also, 
you know, they, they, they say prisoner Bartlett is discharged into your custody. It's very you know, it's, it's, formal, official. I am saying all of the correct terms that with witnesses in the room, therefore, if you try to raise hell, I have witnesses and this cannot come back and bite me in the butt when it goes wrong. Right. And and if you pay attention, when, when they say that line, so they show Bartlett and they show the, there's an SS officer right next to him. I can't, I, right now I can't remember his name. He looks a little startled by the way that they, they do it. It's at second 47. If you take a look at it, you'll see that you know his eyes slightly bulge when when they say that to him. When they say, uh, you know, he's being discharged into your custody. So he's just like taken aback for, for a fraction of a second. And then we have Kuhn start talking where he goes, I suggest that prisoner Bartlett be kept under the strictest security confined confinement permanently. Which is also interesting that a Gestapo member would say something like that as opposed to saying, let's just shoot him. <laughs> He's yeah, a troublemaker. Get rid right. of him. You have to also wonder, what does permanently mean? Is permanently the end of the war? Is or is permanent? Is this a is this a life sentence or possibly even a death sentence for him? Permanently, I guess, it's six feet under. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, put him in the cooler and just forget to feed him and let him die you see, there. This- this this shows how, 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 how stupid these Gestapos were because what they should have done on the way is they should have just pulled over somewhere on the side of the road, put a bullet in Bartlett's head, give, dig a shallow grave, put him in, and that's it. You know, oops, what happened to him? He tried escaping. We shot him. That's it. You can go to lunch then and still make it home on schedule. <laughs> Depends where you can get Knockwurst at that time. Knockwurst and sauerkraut. <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Evil people having normalcy in their life gives me the chills. <laughs> well, they have to eat. Yeah, I know, but it would be nice if it was dirt. Okay, okay. so the so hey. the bratwurst fell in fell so the knockwurst <laughs> fell on the ground first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I also the one one more thing I wanted to mention was the fact that they you know Max says as as soon as they they see that is Bartlett you know back uh, back when when they were looking through the wire you know when they see the prisoner come so Mac goes oh I'll pass the word on and then uh, Ashley Pitt says oh I'll tell the old man you know it's just uh, it sounds as if they're, they're they're speaking in code as to you know how we're gonna let everyone know that 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 uh, the Germans made a really big mistake. I mean, first of all, we've discussed it before. They made a really big mistake putting everyone together, but here they made an even bigger mistake by, by bringing the brains of the operation in without them really knowing that that's what they did. Isn't that um, no spoiler? I guess, but um, Bartlett says not very long after getting here that like these guys screwed up big time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Everyone, we know that. We know that in retrospect, right? I think everyone but the Germans knows this is a bad idea. Yeah, but the, the irony here is that this actually happened. So the Germans really made this this mistake. You know, it's not as if it's just the screenwriter's idea that they made a mistake. They literally made a mistake by 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 doing this. You'd think that they would have thought about the fact that you know putting all your rotten eggs in one basket isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. Uh, I guess I guess uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, 
and that makes me think also is like in in this scene where we were at the very first not the scene but uh th- this minute we're out in the yard right we talked about that and how the car pulls up and all the gents are out basically having a smoke break you know they just got their starbucks and are uh you know uh discussing life as it were and then you then you um you know, you juxtapose that against, say, you know, the movies and pop culture, not not necessarily specifically uh, historical archive footage of, you know, let's say Auschwitz, but how uh, films usually portray concentration camps. It doesn't seem like this. This seems like a pretty OK place to be a POW, You whereas, you know, if you got sent elsewhere, things aren't going well. Um, I wonder if the same way that they're treating Bartlett, you know, hey, we could pull over to the side of the road and shoot him. If when it comes to and forgive my lack of uh, uh, German uh, Geneva Convention uh, norms, but maybe the the German army themselves had a little bit higher respect for even the enemy soldier than they did for, you know, the the. um the problem uh, or whatever that was called Hitler's problem, you know, um, they, because you served, you were a superior person over uh, a civilian uh, as, and obviously specifically a, a Jewish civilian. Uh, so maybe there's a, some sort of like level of code that they, even the Germans won't cross. That's very possible. I mean, th- this movie obviously doesn't mention Jews at all. You know, it doesn't right. mention the Holocaust. Does, and, and, and obviously there's the distinction between concentration camps and POW camps, the way that they treated, you know, their, their, their prisoners. Because here, again, as, as we all know, with the concentration camps, they went and killed just about everyone who came in. Here, this was, this was more of a work camp. This was, and actually, I can't even say it was a work camp because they, they don't really give them anything to do. This is, this is, this is summer camp. You know, yeah. it's like, OK, we're going to we're going to let you, uh, you know, uh, garden and we're going to let you run and we're going to let you do exercise and we're going to let you sing and we're going to let you build uh, dig tunnels. You know, we're going to let you do all these things that you normally do. Yeah. So I, I think that a better comparison would be to something like from Stalag 17. Have you ever seen that movie, Justin? Right. I know Tom Tom hasn't seen it. So so there it's also you're dealing with a POW camp and that that came out in 1953, you know, 10 years before this one came out. So that was closer to when the war happened, and the the conditions that they had there were were not as as nice. I guess you could say. I don't know a better word to use for it. Yeah, <laughs> and we're not as nice as as what they show here. Mm-hmm. So, but again, this is also a new camp. I mean, we discussed a few weeks ago about the fact that you see them walking around in the yard, and you see the the tree stumps, and the whole idea when uh, a few weeks ago when the Russians left the compound, they they just cut down the trees. Mm-hmm. So this is literally a brand new place. So it hasn't gotten the wear and tear of of a POW camp. So, but you know, the, the, most of the prisoners didn't last long enough here for it to to become a uh, a well used prison camp. Yeah, and I wonder too if there's something with the commandant being a World War One. He was in the military during World War One, so he's predates you know the rise of the Third Reich and how, you know, that influence or just that history goes, yeah, I saw these guys come. I'm going to see them go. My job's the same. Yeah. We can probably leave that conversation for later yeah. in the week because there's Yeah, there that's probably more distinct, tomorrow. Uh, to, I think it's even on, on Thursday is even more. 
I, I cut off between tomorrow and Thursday. Yeah. You know, it's, it's right up, right on the borderline. But again, I think that, that there's, there's more to discuss then. Well, do either of you have anything else for this minute? Nope. I, I, I think I, uh, I, uh, depleted everything I had to say about this, <laughs> this one. Uh, Especially about Knockworst, you know. <laughs> Justin, you want to plug your podcast again? Uh, yeah, you can find us, stinkermadness.com. Uh, subscribe to us on all the uh, podcasting apps. We do a podcast uh, about where we try to find the best of bad, um, not just to lambast bad movies, but to truly appreciate them for the art that they are. Because if you can't appreciate bad art, you can't appreciate good art. Check out his podcast. It is one of my favorite weekly podcasts out there as well. Um, while you're looking for his podcast, go ahead and rate ours and subscribe to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can check out our website, thegreatescapeminute.com, or follow us at, on Twitter at greatescapemxm. Until tomorrow. Tally ho. Tally ho. Tally ho.